Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Minister Diane Walker comes with a life-changing message entitled, Loving God Well. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. You know, I always like to start to ask a question. How many of you, you know this, you can attest to this, we live, our lives are filled with rules, regulation, and laws. Would you agree with that? And they're just a, a part of our daily life, right? And these rules protect us. A lot of these rules protect us. We have rules, school, job, church. We've got rules here where we, don't ask, we ask you not to bring food in the sanctuary. That's a rule, Right? We have rules when we drive. We have rules when we go to the doctor. We have rules, 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 and rules are a good thing, amen? Even our government, every two years, they pass laws, 200 to 600 laws that they pass. Rules and regulations, most of us don't know any of them. Uh, just imagine if you had to follow over 600 rules to have a relationship with someone. What would that look like? That would be something else, huh? You'd be stressed, strung out, all kind of things. I thank God he is not like man. God has commanded basically two foundational responsibilities for us. And they are love God and love people. And if we do those two, everything else lines up. Amen. Would you agree with that? Amen. So today I want to talk to you about loving God well. Foundation scripture can be found in Matthew chapter 22. And I'll be reading verses 33 through 40 from the TLB or the living, the living Bible. And it reads, the crowds were profoundly impressed by his answers, but not the Pharisees. When they heard that he had routed the Sadducees with his reply, they thought up a fresh question of their own to ask him. Sir, which is the most important command in the law of Moses? One of them asked that was a lawyer. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second most important is similar. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets stem from these two laws and are fulfilled if you obey. Keep, the, keep only these and you will find that you are obeying all the others. Amen? Amen? Now, this was a time when Jesus, his popularity and followers were growing astronomically. So, you know, the religious leaders of the day didn't like that. So they're always, they were always trying to trick him up with questions regarding the law, questions about the resurrection that they didn't believe in. And so this lawyer, they sent, you know, they always send the most smart, who they think is the smartest person. To try to trip you up. But in the end, who got tripped up? <laughs> Amen. So that's the context of it. The definition of love in the Bible is God is love. Amen. 
God is love. Let me give you the definition um, from the Greek. In this context, it's agapio, to have a preference for or to wish well, to regard the welfare of. It is to take pleasure in, to prize it above all others, to be willing to, un to be unwilling to abandon it or to do without it, to welcome with desire to long for. Point number one, love God with all your heart. We love him because what? He first loved us. We love him because he sent his son Jesus for us when we didn't know him. When we were not lovable, he still gave his only begotten, unique son for us. Amen? What's the definition of our heart? It is the center of our physical and spiritual life. It encompasses our passions, desires, and affections. Vine's Dictionary says heart stands for a man's entire mental and moral activity. Both the rational and emotional elements. It includes emotions, reasons, and will. Heart and soul are intertwined, but both represent the inner, immaterial part of man as separate from his physical body. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a preference for God? Do you take pleasure in him? Do you prioritize him? Are you unwilling to abandon him or do without him? Do you desire him? Do you long for him above anything else? We always talk about God loving us, but how do we show our love for him? Are, this is the one that got me. Are you unwilling to abandon him? Which begs the question, have some of us abandoned him? He never did us. He's never abandoned us. What's the condition of your heart? Is your heart broken? Do you have a broken heart? Remember, this is our heart. This core is our heart. We are our heart, our emotions, our feelings. Is your heart broken? Have you been wounded? Rejected, hurt. Do you have a heart full of pride? Unforgiveness? Are you divided between God's way and the world's way? Has your brokenness pulled you away from God, from loving him? Y'all smiling so good. <laughs> Y'all really smiling. I appreciate that. But has your brokenness pulled you away from him? Has the circumstances and the situations of life stopped you? Stopped it cold in his tracks? Are you mad with God? It's amazing when things go wrong, we say we're mad at God. But I very seldom hear us say we're mad at the devil. Think about it. 
I very seldom hear us say we mad at the devil when he creates all of that. I'm just saying. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Jesus says what comes from the mouth proceeds from the heart. King David said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. God knows that we, are, we, need heart, we need help with our hearts, with us. And if we go to him, he's willing to help. Proverbs 4.23 from the Passion says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, your thoughts, your will, discernment, and your affections, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellsprings, the issues of life. Psalms 119.9-11 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Not partially heart, my whole heart. Oh, let me not wander from your commands. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is our heart, our being. Do we love him with all of our heart? We have the power of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us, which enables us to love him with all our hearts. Point number two, love God with your soul. What's your soul? It's the breath of life, which God breathed into man to make him a living being. It's our individuality, the essence of who we are. Our soul holds our passions, our hunger, our perceptions, our consciousness. Psalms 42.1 says, as the deer longly pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants longingly for you. Have you ever seen a deer at the water brook? Either I've seen a couple times in real life and then more so on television. And they're doing what? They're looking at all they're concerned about is that water and getting that water. Longing for, desiring that water because that's the life sustainer. Do we long for him as our life sustainer? Because he is our life sustainer, is he not? Do we long for him? Do we cry out to him? Do we reverence him, esteem him, extol him dearly? Do we put him above everything else? Let me keep going. Matthew 5, 6 from the King James says, Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let me give you a, a practical example. So ever since last year, um, I've been on this kale and greens with cheese and seasoning mix. And, uh, and my family, it's just a concoction I made. And I'm telling you, it is so good. It is so good. It only takes about 15 minutes to make you saute it with olive oil, throw your kale in there, throw your greens in there, cut up some red onions, season it with this special seasoning packet that I might share with y'all, and then cheese, Parmesan cheese or whatever cheese you like. So I came in the house one day, and I was starving. I was hungry. So I'm looking in the pantry. I'm looking in the refrigerator, gathering all my ingredients, gathering all my items. I didn't have a seasoning. So I'm so desperate. Guess what? I get in the car, go to the store, get the seasoning, come back and make the greens. 
And I'm telling you, it was so good. I sit there, I gobbled it up, I ate it up. And then when I got done, I sit back and said, whew, that hit the spot. I'm full. Guess what? Jesus hits our spot. He fills us every single time. I'm thinking those greens was good, but he's much better than that. Much, much better than that. Amen? Amen. Point number three. Love God with your mind. Mind is our intellect, our thinking, and it's the place that knowledge is stored. Our memories are stored in our mind. Here's the other thing that's stored in our mind. Anxiety and fear and worry. Stored in our minds. Proverbs 3, 6 says, our mind is the faculty of, I'm sorry, our mind is the faculty of understanding what enables us to imagine and think to esteem, reverence, and restore him. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your path. If this mind is not renewed, you can't trust your mind. That's how we trust him and not us. Would you agree? Amen. Thinking about something so much in our minds, going back and forth, creates anxiety, worry, and problems. Let me give you another example. Last year, I was invited to speak at a women's conference in Colorado. And uh, I didn't know the speakers until I, I read their, you know, knew their little bios, but I did not know them. So I was the first speaker up that morning, and the Lord had already given me um, what to say, because normally when I need to get a download from the Lord, I go walking, and I either go to Kennesaw Mountain, I'll walk the trail, or Swift Camp Trail, I'll go over there and walk. And as soon as I started walking, Lord started just giving me things to say. And it was a hard saying, so I'm thinking, Lord, do you really want me to say this? Because it's going to be hard, it's going to be tough. Then on top of that, when I get there and I see these other two women, they, you know, got doctor's degrees, they've written several books, but hey, man, I walked up in anyway, like, hey... No, uh uh. That ain't gonna stop me. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. So I walked up in in there anyway. And um, so I ministered the word. But the whole time I'm ministering, and this happens often, and I think it happens often to a lot of ministers. I think they can attest to it. We see y'all faces. And when we see y'all faces, sometimes we're thinking, do they even like the message? What they looking at so hard? Am I going too long? Are they mad at me? Should, should I do this? Should I do that? So now I'm beginning to play scenarios back and forth in my mind. How often do we do that? And then I began to worry because my focus got off of what they were saying. I went first, so I wanted to hear them. These doctors, I wanted to hear what they had to say. But because my mind started leading me down a path, pulling me away from the word of God, pulling me away from what I'm supposed to focus on, I didn't catch half of the second, the second person who was up speaking. Because I thought, I thought, my mind thought and wandered away. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself 
against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Joyce Myers said, we got to think about what we're thinking. After the conference was over with, the first lady asked all the ministers to come up and form a line, and they wanted all the ladies to come up and pray. See, this is how the devil deceive you. Every lady was like, not that I'm looking for accolades, but sometimes you just want to hear, okay, you, you know, you were on point. Every one of them came and said, thank you. You were exactly on point. Where I had created in my mind a scenario that didn't even exist. Just because you think it, don't make it true. That's why we have to think about what we're thinking about and bring it into captivity like his word just says. Philippians 4.8 from the message says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. We are what we have thought. You living right now. I'm living right now. What is happening here? Good, bad, or ugly. That's why we got to take them captive because they're not his thoughts and they shouldn't be our thoughts. You want to know who you are? Go to Psalms 139 because I don't have time to go over it with you, but go there. <laughs> Point number four, love your neighbor like you love yourself. Who is your neighbor? Now, before I read this, and before I studied this, I'm thinking, okay, my neighbor is the one to stay on the right, on the left, cross the street. That's my neighbor. Let me give you the definition of neighbor. Any other man, irrespective of nation or religion, with whom we meet, with whom we live, or with whom we chance to meet. That's your neighbor. That, who you sitting next to right now, that's your neighbor. Say hello, neighbor. <laughs> At the grocery store, on your job, even on the streets, did you know your homeless brother and sister is your neighbor? Did you know that those that are in jail, that's your neighbor? Check this out. I may love someone because they are kind to me. If they stop being kind, I no longer love them because my love was simply a positive feeling based on my current circumstances. Come on. Make it plain. Love is more than that. Did you know that love is a decision and commitment? The word of God says, well, I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you may live. Even God gives us the ability to make a choice whether we're going to choose him or not. We have free will. Love is a choice. And love is not easy. 
I know it ain't easy for, for Jesus for loving all of us. Because you know we're a trip. Most of the time we're a trip. Don't look at me like that. I am too. We're a trip. But he chose to love us anyway. He chose to give up his son anyway. Love is more than that. It is a decision of the will to act in light of a deep abiding concern and affection for the object of our love. Unselfishly seeking the best or higher good for others. Matthew 10, 42 from the NLT says, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Hebrews 6.10 from the same version says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Check this out. Matthew 50, Matthew chapter 5, 44b through 48 from the message. And this really hurt my toes. It says, I am telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives the best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good, the bad, the nice, and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any one of the meal center does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Scripture said that. I ain't say that. That's what Scripture said right here. Grow up. Grow up. You're kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity, living generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. You know how we love God? When we show our love to our neighbor to the poor, when we consider them, when we're concerned about them, when we acquiesce to them, when we take the back seat and let them have the front, when we let them be on front street, when we value them. We show love to God when we love the poor, the needy, those who God loves. In the same way, we take care of ourselves and are concerned about our own interests. We should take care and have concern for the interests of others. John Maxwell says to add value to, a, up to another, one must first value another. Many of us cannot love others because we can't love others because we can't love ourselves. Many of us are still holding guilt, shame, condemnation, unforgiveness. So we can't love anybody else because we, haven't, we don't love ourselves. 
You know, as one, as one of the responsibilities as a minister is that I counsel people, premarital, marital, um, single women, married women. And one of the questions that I ask, who are you? How do you feel about you? Do you love you? And you know the response I get? All I see, I, I can't recall not one person who said, I love myself the way God loves me. But you'll see tears running down the face. And they'll look at me like a deer in headlights. And they won't respond. Because they've let their past still haunt them. They've let their present, their situation, define who love, who, how they are to be loved or not to be loved. Your situation ain't got nothing to do with it. You ain't got nothing to do with it. It's what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary for us. We're holding stuff that God has already forgiven. That's why he sent Jesus. He nailed it to the cross. It's a done deal. And so we have, then when we will go, we go through, I walk them through scriptures just on encouraging them. Love who you are. You might not be the smartest, might not be the brightest, most talented, but God called you. He said in Psalms 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Not because of what you do or don't do, because I love you. Check this out. Romans 8.1 from the Amplified says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. No guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus who believe in him as their personal Lord and Savior. We don't know because we don't know this word. To know him is to love him. To love him is to know who he is, to know his word. So that's why we beat ourselves up and we don't love ourselves. We don't know what he says about us. He loves you. I don't care what. He loves you. He ain't mad at you. Never been mad at you. Remember, you have been set free. Okay. Three things. How do we show our love for God? We are to love him exclusively. Exodus 34, 14 from the NLT says, you must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Think about what I just said. God Almighty, who created existence, who spoke to light and light was, who breathed life into us, his own breath, he said he's jealous for us. He's jealous for you, for you, for you. You know when you were dating and you had a boyfriend and he would be jealous, you'd be so happy, wouldn't you? Oh, he loved me. Oh, he jealous for me. Oh, you can't have him, girl, because he mine. He loved me. He loved me. God is saying, I'm jealous for you. I want you. I want to be with you. I want to be in relationship with you. 
No other gods, nothing else can ever have our attention. Our hearts must be set only on what delights his heart. He purchased us with the blood of his son. We are born again. We are new spirits. Amen. Let me give you the definite uh, description of what the Bible says God is. He is invisible. Invisible and eternal spirit, spiritual being who is immense and, in, and infinitely powerful, wise, knowing, and good. He is holy, morally pure, loving, gracious, merciful, patient, and forgiving. He created all things, seen and unseen, and will one day judge all mankind. What's your other God? You want me to start calling them out or y'all already know them? <laughs> What's your other God? And as I was preparing this, this is what came to my mind. Men, married men, say y'all love me, take it well. Your mother is not your God when you get married. I have counseled people and mama ruled that marriage. Number one, you out of order. God first, the wife second, and then mama somewhere back here. Love mama, love mama, love her. She did all she could for me. But you're out of order when mama rule in your household. She's your God. She has become your God. And I love mama because I'm a mama of a son. And I, I try my best to stay in my place. I don't think they can say I get out of place. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Okay, I'm getting back on this because y'all looking at me. Okay, I'm going back. Number two, <laughs> we're to love God by obeying him. Why do we think we can say we love God but we don't obey him? Again, I talk to a bunch of people and I love y'all and I want you to continue to come because us together can help get you where God wants you to be. Why do y'all think we can't do that? Why do you think we can say we love God, but we don't do what he tells us to do? John 14, 21 from the message says, the person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and make my, myself plain to him. I'm not saying that you do this, but sometimes you'll say, well, I just don't know what the Lord wants. I just don't know what the Lord says. I don't know. Are we obeying him? He said, I'll make myself plain to you. John 15, 10, 11. When you, obe when you obey me, you remain in my love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Remember, obedience expresses our love for God. We obey him when we want to, and we obey him when we don't. Remember Jesus? He didn't want to go to the cross. He said, if you could take this cup from me. But what did he do? He said, not my will, but your will be done. How many of us can say we do that? Mm, I know I ain't raising my hand. Mm-mm. 
Mm-mm. I'm doing it. No. We grow stronger when we obey God. When we obey God, it reveals to him how much we love him and that we have confidence and that we trust in him. We cannot do this without trust and faith in the Lord. We love God because he first loved us. Obedience delights God. Obedience delights God and shows that we honor and have confidence in him and we belong to him. It is a tangible expression and truly is the only thing we have to offer him in return for his great love and his grace toward us. That's all. Think about it. What else can we offer God other than to love him? We obey God because we are already loved, not in order to be loved. We are already loved. If you walk out of here today and whatever, you're loved. Whether you're right or not, you are loved. I'm not condoning that you, don't, that you do something wrong, but I'm just saying you are loved because of Jesus. Because when he sees us, he's seeing his perfect son, Jesus. We're imperfect people loving a perfect God. We are to love God with a persevering love. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9 says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while it is necessary you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. One of the greatest examples of love is our commitment to him. First. First. First, our love must endure. We must stand the test of time because we know we win. He told us we have the victory. He's already conquered the world for, for us and voided a power to harm us. John 14, 27 or John 16, 33. Go read that from the Amplified, AMPC version. So if he's already given us the victory... And we know we win. What is it that we cannot endure? What is it that we cannot endure? Can we love our neighbor even if they don't love us? If he tells us no... Will we be obedient? One last story real quickly, then I got to close. So most of you guys know my minister Johnny and my story. We were married to each other. We divorced each other, and then we remarried each other again. So right after we remarried each other, about two or three years after we remarried each other, y'all know I like to shop, right? Okay. 
So I had been eyeing this watch. I had been wanting this watch. I had been wanting it, wanting it, wanting it. And so I'm thinking, this me thinking. You know, I work. I make my own. I make my money too. Even though we pool it together, we're one account everything. We've always done that. But I'm thinking, you know what? But I work. So if I want to go get some money, I can go get this watch. I'm going to go get my money. I can get this watch. Because I work just like he does. And he told me, he had told me. Y'all know he, you know, he's a... He's a business person, so he's all about that saving, which I thank God for him for that. And so um, I said, no, I'm going to get this watch. So I'm in the mall, me and somebody else. This was back when we lived in Colorado. I'm in the mall. I am literally going, I am in the store, walked up to the store, walked in, and I've not ever heard Holy Ghost speak to me like this. And it was loud, and it was like, no, no. That's all was said. No. <laughs> he said that was him. <laughs> said no. I realized, but now you know I was mad about it, don't you? Because I still wanted that watch. And then about a year or two later, he, he ended up buying me that watch. But I'm saying this to say, had I been disobedient, the thing that the devil used the first time to split us up, he would have used that watch to do it again. And we would not be here today. I believe. Now, I'm not saying I've always obeyed. God, forgive me. But I have not always obeyed, but I've strived to and tried to. But I know in that instant, had I not, we would not be here today. We got to obey God. He knows all. And I can tell you, it's been a good life. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I've lived. He's been a good life. Ooh, let me wrap it up. We are not to love God with only parts of ourselves, but are to measure every thought, emotion, feeling, word, and action in light of our desire to please and honor him. Pursue him. Pursue God daily in every aspect of your life. Heart, soul, mind, strength, and neighborly love. To love God is to know him. And if you don't love him, you don't know him. Loving God motivates our every decision and empowers our very lives. And I'm going to leave you with this. What would our marriages be like? Our relationships with our children. What would this world be like? If we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength, body, our being, this world will be topsy-turvy for good. Think about it. If we loved him and then love others, not fault-finding, not nitpicking, not holding grudges, if we would just let go of it, whatever it is. Because when you think about it in this big world, there are some big things that our minds need to be focused on. We need to be praying about in this world. It's crazy out here. And the prayers of the saints avail much. This is the only thing. Prayer is the only thing that will change the situation. And here we are. He dealt with me on that. Here you are dealing with poo-put stuff. That's old school for y'all who younger. Don't even worry about it. Poo-put stuff. In other words, stuff that don't even matter. We fighting amongst each other, stuff that don't even matter. 
we unforgiving, it don't even matter. We get lives, souls matter. People are hurting and we're the ones that's supposed to help. That's loving our neighbor. Amen? Amen? So let me say this, and I'm done. I'm I'm just done. Follow God's commandments and love him well. Amen? Amen. I hope you got something out of this today. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God, we are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations, we are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000 thanks again for listening have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you